0: are listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We are going to dive back in to our series on Acts, looking at the historical record of the birth of the church. And I find it quite interesting that here we are in 2020, April, I believe, still, uh, 2020, and there is so much that looks similar to the birth of the church. As I said earlier, Acts chapter 5 Verse forty-two in Acts chapter two, in Acts chapter uh, the latter verses in Acts chapter one reveals that the that the church was birthed and it was it was in the homes from home to home, the gospel was being being shared. Was it because they didn't have a temple to go to? They had a temple to go to, but they were, they were an outcast in the temple. They were pressed out of the temple, and they had to, because of persecution, meet in small groups. Now, I'm not saying this virus is persecution, but here we are back in our homes, in small groups, families, worshiping our Lord and Savior, worshiping God through music, worshiping God through the study of his word as a family. And I think that is a beautiful picture of what we have In the church. Acts chapter 8. Is where we're going to be at this morning. Starting in verse 26. We're going to get there in just a second. But let me ask you a question. What does it look like. To live on mission for God. Here's what we're going to see in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Is the first. Recording. Of individual. Missions. One individual sharing the gospel with another individual before this it was the outpouring of the holy spirit at pentecost there we saw that in jerusalem and then the outpouring of the holy spirit in samaria as philip went to samaria and preached the gospel to the samaritans but here we have the first recording of one-on-one evangelism or one-on-one missions and so let me ask you this question what does it look like For you and I today, April 2020, for us to live on mission for God. Well, let me say this. The first thing, or let me just just make some clarifying statements what it doesn't mean. You don't have to have a passport to live on mission. You don't have to go to a foreign country to live on mission. As a matter of fact, if you're not living on mission in your backyard, you're not going to survive on the mission field in some foreign country. Listen, you don't have to quit your job to live on mission. You don't don't have to wait to live on mission. Listen, you don't have to wait till you become a certain age or you, or you jump through a certain amount of hoops before you can live on mission. If you are a child of God, you can live on mission. Listen, you are, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are living on your mission field. How do I know that? Because God has you where He does on purpose. You are where you are. Living where you are at this very moment, this very day, on purpose. God has ordained for you to be here, to live here at this very moment. So so you are living in your mission field. God has called you and me to live on mission. He is equipping us to live on mission. So let's look in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse... 26. And here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see this beautiful story of, of God revealing his saving grace among the nations. We're gonna see this beautiful story of, of, a, of a man of God being used by the Holy Spirit. We're gonna see how God cares for the nations. All of that chapter eight starting in verse 26 look at what it says acts chapter 8 verse 26 and the and an angel of the lord spoke to philip now listen philip before you jump to conclusion about this man named philip philip was not a uh, an apostle philip was not some some superhero of the faith although he was a faithful man of god he was he was not paul he wasn't a uh, peter if you will he was a he was, a child, he was a normal, everyday guy like you and I. This man named Philip. Watch what happens. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He says to him, Get up and go south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is the desert. So he got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, in high official of Candace queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of her entire treasury. This this man is, is, is a high government, okay? He had come to worship in Jerusalem and he was sitting in his chariot on his way home reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go up and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? The man in the chariot, this high government official, says, How can I? Unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter." and as a lamb is silent before its shearer so he does not open his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who will describe his i'm sorry who will describe his generation for this life for his life is taken from this earth verse 34 the eunuch said to Philip i ask you who is the prophet Speaking of Isaiah, whose words he is reading from, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Now watch what happens. Verse 35, Philip proceeded to tell him the good news. Philip proceeded to tell him the gospel about Jesus beginning with the scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. And so this this conversation has been going back and forth about the gospel that Jesus is the one Isaiah was prophesying about. It wasn't about uh, Isaiah. It wasn't about the nation of Israel. This prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, some 750 years before, Jesus is talking about this Jesus Christ who has been crucified, who was buried, and and who rose again. And in that conversation, somewhere in that conversation, this Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith in Christ. Look at verse 36. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us from your scriptures, from your words. These are your words. These are not the opinions of man. These are not my words. These are your words. And God, I pray that from these words you would teach us how to, To live on mission right here in our own home, wherever you might send us. God, from this day forward, would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would our minds be, be, be ready, be prepared to live on mission? God, we ask that you would do this. God, we ask that you would save, that, that if lost people are watching today, God, we pray that you would save lost people. That may they hear your love, may they hear the plan that you have for them. And may they surrender their life to you and say yes to you and accept you as their Lord and Savior. May they know that you love them. You've poured out your grace and your mercy on them. Father, we ask all these things in your Son's precious and holy name I pray amen amen so what does it look like to live on mission how, how are we to live on mission April 2020 and the rest of our days number one is this write this down love people with God-centered Christ-like love let me say that again love people <clears throat> with God-centered Christ-like love Philip's heart is open wide to all types of people, and he reflects the heart of God. In Acts chapter 6, we see him caring carrying for, carrying for, for widows, just as God cares for them. That's our, our first introduction of this man named Philip. He is, he's already beginning to take care of people. Then in Acts chapter 8, he displays a Christ-like love for the despised Samaritans even though people considered the the Samaritans ethnically impure, even even calling them heretics, going as far as calling them heretics. Then we see in our text that he displays Christ-like love for the nations by carrying the Ethiopian man with respect, by caring for this man, with respect. Listen, Philip displays love not just for the crowds, but he also displays love for the individuals. He was willing to go to the crowds in Samaria and proclaim the gospel. He was willing to care for the individual widows. And now we seem willing to go to the nations, to the individuals, those of different ethnicities those of possibly a different socioeconomic status and even those who have different religious views now i want you to i want you to go back with me to the story of jonah remember remember the story of jonah and the well jonah God is calling Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh and and proclaim that that God's wrath is going to come down on them unless they repent. Now I want you to contrast Philip with Jonah. Jonah's arrogant uh, ethnocentrism made him a reluctant missionary. He didn't want to go. He didn't like the Ninevites. He he despised the Ninevites. He didn't want anything to do with the Ninevites experiencing the grace of God. Jonah desired more for the Ninevites to experience the wrath of God than than he desired to experience the grace of God. And unfortunately, the spirit of Jonah is present today In many Christians. Many Christians find it difficult to love those with a particular skin tone. Or those from certain social classes. Let's let's determine. Let's renew our desire. Let's renew our passion to follow Philip's model Rather than to follow Jonah's. So it begs the question. How? How can we grow in our love for others? Well, let me give you two ways. How, how can we, as, 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 as Christ followers, as, as children of God, how can we look at our neighbors who, who might be different from us? How can, we, how can we spend time with people in our community or surrounding communities who, who might be completely different from us, have different thoughts than us, have different political views, then us how can we grow in our love for them two ways number one recognize that every person with a heartbeat is a creation of god and loved by god that's number one every person with a heartbeat is created by god and loved by god Let's remember that that Christ loved us when we were unlovable. May may we never forget the gift of grace, unmerited favor of God that was poured out on us through Jesus Christ. He loved us when we were unlovable. Not one of us, even to this day, deserve Jesus' salvation. And I believe that the more that we think about that, the more that we contemplate and dwell on who Christ is and what He has done for us, the more we will love people the way Philip did. I don't believe Philip ever got over the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't believe Philip ever got over the good news of Jesus Christ coming to live so that he would would die to pay the penalty for our sins. That, that drove Philip to love people who were different from him, who had different political views than him, that, had, that was in a different socioeconomic status as, as him. People who were even despised by his own family, he loved them. Listen, the more I fall in love with Christ, I'm just telling you personally, the more I fall in love with Christ, the more I fall in love with his creation and his commands, and it becomes cyclical. The more I fall in love with His creation, the more I fall in love with His commands, the more I fall in love with Him. And the more I fall in love with Him, the more I fall in love with His creation. And and the more I fall in love with His commands, and the more I'm obedient to His commands, the more I fall in love with Him. Listen, we can love the least of these. We can love the lost in our communities we can see those who are morally upright in our community but also recognize that they are lost and without the the covering of jesus's blood on their life without them surrendering to jesus christ they will spend eternity in hell and we can love those in our community enough to share the gospel with them and we can love even our enemies we can when we remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us the second is this walk in the spirit walk in the spirit remember that love is a fruit of the spirit galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and verse 23 says it reveals the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. And and we are called to to walk in the Spirit. If you was just to back up a few verses earlier to to Galatians 5, 22. Look, look, Look over at Galatians 5, verse 13. Galatians 5, verse 13. Look at what Paul is saying. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But watch what he says. But serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in this one statement. But, watch what he says, but, verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, Paul says, by the the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. There is this constant conflict between our flesh and the Spirit. Watch this. So that you don't do what you want. Listen, in Acts 6, which is where we first meet Philip, he is described as one who is walking in the Spirit. And the result of this reality is a Christ-like love for all people. Do you see that? The result of him walking, through the sp- walking in the Spirit is, uh, is, he is he's acting out on that in a Christ-like love for all people. Therefore, daily, let's be reminded of the cross. May we dwell in our minds on the cross. And let's ask God, God, would you fill me with a Christ-like love for all people. Listen. God will fill us. With a God centered. Christ like love. But listen. It, it is a prayer. I believe that we have to pray. Every single day. But it's worth praying. Number one. How do we live on mission. Right here where we're at. Love people with a God centered Christ like love. Number two. Number two, write this down. Yield daily to the Spirit's guidance. Number two, yield daily to the Spirit's guidance. Those walking by the Spirit are receptive and they are responsive to God's leading. That's what we see in Philip here. He is receptive and he is responsive. Now, in our story, in our text, Acts chapter 8, God's initiative in this story is unquestionable. But notice the receptivity that Philip shows to God's initiative. God initiates it, but Philip is receptive. Out of the blue, watch what happens. Out of the blue, God tells tells Philip, I want you to take off for the desert. God has already moved Philip from Jerusalem to Samaria. Now he's moving him from Samaria where things are going incredibly well and he says I want you to go to the desert. Now look at it again in verse 26, 8 chapter 8 verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, "Get up, go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." Look back just a little bit farther in chapter 8. In verse 7. Chapter 8, verse 7. I want you to see the fruit of what's happening in Samaria. It's absolutely incredible. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. In Samaria, this pagan city... The movement of God is absolutely incredible. And, and, and Philip could be going, God, there's so much work here in Samaria. You've moved me out of Jerusalem, which I was totally okay with, and you moved me down to Samaria, and I preached the gospel. I, do, I did what you told me to do. And, and the outpouring, the fruit of what is going on here is absolutely incredible. But God, what seems to us out of the blue, tells Philip to pack up and go to the desert. Nothing in our text says that there are any arrangements made for someone to take his place in Samaria. God tells him to go to a place, but he doesn't reveal why. I want you to hear that again. Notice the characteristic of our God. God tells Philip, I want you to go to a place, but he doesn't reveal why. Philip could have complained. How much more do you want from me, God? I was forced from my home in Jerusalem because of persecution. My best friend Stephen was stoned to death. I went to all places, Samaria. Now you want me to pack up from here and go to the desert. How tempting it would have been. For Philip to brush that still small voice away like an annoying gnat buzzing in his ear, just brush it away. But Philip had walked with God long enough to know that God has a reason for throwing us a curveball now and then. Let me say that again. God calls Philip to a place, but he doesn't tell him why. He doesn't say how things are going to be handled where he's leaving. And Philip could have ignored it. But Philip had walked with God long enough to know that God has a reason to throw us a curveball ever now and then. Listen, Philip wasn't just receptive of the Spirit's guidance. Listen, he was also responsive. Listen, there's not much good in hearing God's call if we are not willing to follow it when it comes. Look at verse 27. So he got up, eight, chapter 8, verse 27. So he got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship, this eunuch had come to worship in Jerusalem, but because of his situation, he could not become a Jew. He could not enter into the temple. Verse 28, and he was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Specifically, he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. Who who would have thought it? Out in the middle of nowhere is a political leader riding in his chariot and he's reading from the word of God. No one but God could have known where this man was. No one but God could have known what this man was doing and how ready he was to hear and accept the gospel. Now watch what happens. Look at verse 29. Chapter 8, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, Go and join the chariot. You remember what the, the Spirit told Philip at the beginning? I want you to go to the desert, to the road that leads down to Gaza. Philip goes. He's receptive. He's willing to go. Now, here it is again. The Spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When, the, when Philip ran up to it, he heard this Ethiopian eunuch reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked the question, do you understand what you are reading Philip is receptive he is responsive but what's this his God-centered Christ-like love kicks in here he, he hears the still small voice of God say I want you to go he's receptive to that Philip jumps up and he goes he is responsive to that still small voice And as he is responsive, he sees an opportunity to share his Christ-like love with somebody. See how that works. He is receptive, he is responsive, and it gives him an opportunity for his Christ-like love to kick in. Listen, Philip didn't wait for the man to lean out of his chariot and say, Hey, hey, excuse me, sir, running beside my chariot. Or are you, do you happen to be an Old Testament prophet? (laughs) Do you happen to be an Old Testament scholar? No. Philip takes the initiative. But he takes it with sensitivity. Philip doesn't swagger up to the chariot with his, with his pulling his, his coat, tugging on his coat, toting his concordance underneath his arm. He didn't pull out his textbook on apologetics just, just ready for an argument. Philip wasn't out to impress or to convince. Philip came graciously with only one simple question. Do you understand what you are reading? Listen, Philip had no idea this Ethiopian was the reason for his unexpected journey south. He simply was receptive And he was responsive to the Lord's leading. And God, in his sovereign plan, caused these two men's paths to cross. And Philip had the privilege. Philip was given the gift to display the gospel of grace to this man. Let me ask you. Do you have a neighbor you've been meaning to have a gospel conversation with? Possibly a new coworker you've intended to gauge in conversation? Do you have a gift you've been thinking about giving to a struggling family down the street? Is there someone in your school who continues to be on your mind, on your heart? Is there someone that you stay in contact with through social media channels that is just constantly on your mind and you feel like you need to say something to them? If so, it could be that God is up to something. You, like Philip, may have a chariot waiting for you. the ethiopian was led to faith in jesus by philip as a result of a divine leading and a willingness to obey now i get it there are some <clears throat> who who dislike the idea of spirit leading calling it superstitious or or widely charismatic. And and certainly, hear me, there there are many people who exaggerate and even abuse the phrase, God spoke to me. They they carry this way too far. The, The pendulum swings way too far to justify all kinds of wild actions and claims. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm not advocating for that sort of thing. Instead, I'm advocating for a vibrant belief in the Spirit's involvement in our everyday lives. Listen, if we don't joyfully welcome His guidance, then I believe something is wrong. Listen, as a a child of God, what do we want? We are asking, God, would you be with me today? We we pray that prayer. We hear that that prayer heard. God, would you be with me today? God, would you lead me today? And when He leads... We ought to joyfully welcome his guidance. And if we don't, then it's quite possibly something is wrong. Listen to this statement by Martin Lloyd-Jones. This is a powerful statement. And Martin Lloyd-Jones was in no way a charismatic, farther than just no, not even close. But listen to what he has to say on this matter. Here's what he says, here again is a most extraordinary subject and indeed a very fascinating one and from many angles a most glorious one. There is no question but that God's people can look for and expect leadings, guidance, indications of what they are meant to do. There are many examples of this in scripture and he references our text, Acts chapter 8, the story of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. He goes on to say, If you read the history of the saints, God's people throughout centuries, and especially the history of revivals, you will find that this is something which is perfectly clear and definite. Men have been told by the Holy Spirit to do something. They knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it transpired that obviously he was leading. I love this last part of his quote. It seems clear to me that if we deny such a possibility, speaking of God leading us, that the Holy Spirit would give us these, these leadings to go into to share the gospel with someone. That's what he's talking about. It seems clear to me that if we deny such a possibility, we are again guilty of quenching the Spirit. Oh, we must be receptive. We must be responsive. We must have a growing christ-like love inside of us now listen i don't think you need to feel led to share the gospel i don't think that's the only time that we should ever uh, that, that 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 should not limit us just the just the times that we are feeling feeling led the holy spirit is leading me to share the gospel with someone no listen we have all been given a commandment we've all been given the great commission found in matthew chapter 28 Listen, Matthew chapter 28 gives us all the license we need to go out every single day and make the gospel known. Even so, we should pray. We should seek. I believe, brothers and sisters in Christ, we should ask God, God, would you give me a divine appointment today to share the gospel with somebody? What an opportunity. What a gift. Listen, Philip had an opportunity. He heard God. He responded to God. And the love that was inside Philip because of what Jesus Christ did for him came out. And Philip opened up his mouth. And he, he I mean, and, and listen, it doesn't get any easier than somebody saying, Hey, can you explain this text to me? And Philip gets to be a part of an eternal life-altering event in this man's life. What an incredible gift that you and I can be a part of. Love people with a God-centered, Christ-like love. Yield daily to the Spirit's guidance. And third, let me quickly just say this. Understand, man, this is how we can live on mission right here today, April 2020, understand and explain the good news to people. Understand and be willing to explain the good news to people. I love the picture of Philip in the Ethiopian in a chariot ro- rolling down the road <coughs> underneath the desert sun and, 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 and inside this, this chariot is a scroll opened up to Isaiah chapter 53, specifically verse 7 and 8. And Philip, who rightly viewed Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies like this one, was prepared to provide an answer. Oh, we must be pre- prepared. Isn't it? That, that's, that's why we study the Bible. It's one of the major reasons why we study the Bible. It's one of the major reasons that we sit underneath the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. So that, We can be prepared to provide an answer when people ask us so that we can be prepared to faithfully share the gospel. It doesn't mean that we always have the answers. It doesn't mean that we never say, I don't know. But listen, we can say, I don't know, but I will get back with you with an answer. Here's here's Philip. (coughs) He's prepared to provide an answer. And he says, yes. 750 years before the crucifixion, when Isaiah is writing this, <coughs> he is describing the suffering, exaltation of Jesus. He is describing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Philip used the Isaiah passage to explain the good news to this. E- who's who's been to Jerusalem to worship God. There's no doubt that he loves God, but he doesn't know how to get to God. He's been told that he can't. And this great news that Jesus allows him. Jesus died for him so that he can get to God. Oh, is life-altering news. Philip knows that Isaiah 53 is prophesying about Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God who has borne your sins on his, in his body on a tree. That's, that's Philip's message. He's the one to whom re, he is the one to whom the redeemed from all the nations cry, you are worthy, that Jesus Christ is worthy of us surrendering our life to him. There's no doubt the Ethiopian eunuch probably felt rejected felt like he was an outcast. He had been to Jerusalem to worship God, but he wasn't wasn't allowed in. He wasn't allowed to be a part of the worshipers. He felt like an outcast, always on the outside, because of his condition. And Philip was able to tell him this, you are loved. I'm telling you, church, There are people all around us that need to hear that message. You are loved by your creator God. And you are welcomed by the Messiah. People need to hear that message. And God has given us the mandate to live on mission. Yes, go to the nations, yes. But we don't have to. Yes, some of us will do that vocationally, we'll quit our jobs and we'll, we'll go to different places, yes, but, but that's not for everybody. Yes, there will be some who will need to get a passport and, and go, to, go to some other place around the world, but that's not everybody. Every single one of us can say this, you are loved by the creator of this world. And the creator of this world has made it available, made it possible for you to get to him. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to to stay away from Him except to reject His free gift. He has given you a free gift in Jesus Christ but you must accept it. You are welcomed. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, loved you and He welcomes you. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the name of (coughs) J. Wilbur Chapman? Have you ever heard the name of Billy Sunday? Or what about the name Mordecai Fowler Ham? Maybe you haven't heard of those three names, but you have heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham gave his life to Christ at a revival Pastor Mordecai Ham was preaching at. Mordecai Ham was led to faith in Christ at a men's Bible study led by Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday came to faith in Christ after hearing Mr. Chapman share the gospel. And as far as we know, Mr. Chapman 3 generations away from Billy Graham never met Billy Graham. Listen. You might not lead thousands to Christ like Billy Graham has but what if what if you faithfully share the gospel and lead one that might lead one that might lead another to the next Billy Graham he will who will lead thousands oh listen church let's live on mission. And let's proclaim the gospel. Thank you for listening to the sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.